Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple warning about exercising your liberty. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, um, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is the revelation regarding Israel's liberty. Such needed information and instruction for us. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Our nation has seen its share of abuses as well as victories regarding civil rights. But when does a right to liberty become a hindrance to freedom? Today, as we continue our study series in the book of 1 Corinthians, Pastor Xavier brings us the simple truths regarding the rights and responsibilities of Christian liberty. Let's listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 1 through 22, and the message entitled, How Do You Exercise Your Liberty? Paul the Apostle has given the principle of love for self-denial of one's liberty for the weaker brethren in chapter 8. Paul has uh, illustrated the principle of self-denial of one's liberty by denying any financial support for ministry from the Corinthians in chapter 9. Now Paul warns the Corinthians about exercising their liberty in an abusive manner that would lead them to sin after the example of Israel. You know, to you it might not be a big deal what side of the flypaper you choose. But to the fly it does. If he picks the sticky one, he's dead. If he picks the other side, he gets to fly away. And such is sin. The warning throughout this message is to believers, not non-believers. Keep that in mind. Let me read here. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people uh, sat down to eat, to drink, and they rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day 24,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpent. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now... All these things happened to them as examples that they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of the blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
For we, though many, are one body and one body, for we are all partake of the one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to an idol is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God, and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? Wow. Pretty straightforward and severe. Paul warns the Corinthians through Israel's abuse of their liberty, which is marked by three things. It's a parallel. You can't miss it. First, verse 1 through 5. The revelation regarding Israel's liberty. 6 to 13. The exhortation regarding Israel's presumptuousness in their liberty. And then 14 to 22. The application regarding Israel's sin through their liberty. Let's begin here the revelation regarding Israel's liberty. Verse 1 through 5. Take note in verse 1. The Apostle Paul did not want the Corinthians to be clueless about Israel's history. Paul makes a connection of his high privilege with that of Israel in verse 1. Don't miss it. Paul calls them brethren, reminding them of the relationship with Christ Jesus and the family of God. Notice Paul made the connection of the high privilege of Israel's deliverance from Egypt his and the Corinthians by doing this. Many commentators missed this. It's not that they didn't know the history. They didn't connect the dots of the history. Many Christians have biblical knowledge, but they don't connect the dots. This message is, connect the dots. Paul is warning the Corinthians about a real danger. Listen, with idolatry. Don't let the different accounts fool you. It's all idolatry. And what comes out of it? Notice Paul wanted the Corinthians to have a proper understanding about the blessings of Israel from God first. He says, I do not want you to be unaware. Unaware, agnios, which we get ignorant from, not to know, not to understand. Agnostic, ignorant, same thing. The literal expression is called alitotis. Something expressed by negation. Of the contrary, such as not a few to express many. Okay? That's what's called litotis. That's what he's doing here. In this case, I want you not just to know, but to comprehend and understand the responsibility of their high privilege that brought consequences. Connect the dots. This is the favorite term of Paul. 15 times in the New Testament. He's going to tell in chapter 12, verse 1, he didn't want them to be ignorant regarding spiritual gifts. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he didn't want them to be ignorant about dead Christians, that they were with Christ. And there's other uses of it. It's always to teach something important that they were ignorant about. Now, look at the rest of verse 1 down to 4. The Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand certain historical accounts that reveal how they disqualified themselves... After being freed from Egypt. There's the connection between the last chapter and here. Paul didn't want to be disqualified. There's a record of disqualification. Most people miss this. Notice, all were under the cloud. Exodus 13, 21 and 22. Exodus 14, 19. Being divinely guided. Being divinely protected. Out of Egypt. Out of the world. 
All pass through the sea. Exodus 14, 29 through 30. The sea is the Red Sea. They saw the destruction of the Egyptian army on one side. They were free on the other side. The power of God. There was a clear separation between the world that was death and the journey to the promised land which was life. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They were identified with the deliverance of Moses. Baptism in the most simplest basic way is identification. Okay? They were identified with the leadership of Moses. The deliverance of Moses. Foreshadowing Christ, of course, the ultimate deliverer and mediator. Baptism being a type of death, even though when they walked through, they walked on dry ground. Water didn't touch them. So you can't push water baptism here. <laughs> okay? But we know Romans 6 and 1 Peter 3 says that we are baptized into Christ's death and raised resurrection symbolically. Okay? It's a symbol of death. But more than that, the most basic understanding of baptism, the word, is identification. They identify with Moses' uh, deliverance and leadership. Now, all ate the same spiritual food. They ate manna from heaven. Verse 3. Exodus 16, 4, 15 and 35. And Jesus says he is the bread from heaven in John six thirty on down. Angel food, bread from heaven, Psalm seventy-eight twenty-five. They ate it until they entered the promised land, when they celebrate the first Passover in Joshua five ten through twelve. For forty years, but they got sick of manna. We're going to see. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock, and he identifies that rock as Christ. Exodus seventeen six, Numbers twenty eleven, two times, the record. The first time Moses was told by God to go strike the rock, for the children of Israel were thirsty. He struck the rock, gave them the drink. The second one, by the way, the first one's at the beginning of the journey. The last one's at the end of the journey. Okay? And Moses goes up and he says, What must I do, you rebellious children? Strike this rock to give you a drink? And he struck the rock again. God says, Mo, come here. What did I tell you to do? You told me to give him a drink. No, no, what, how, how did I tell you to do it? You told me to speak to the rock. Okay, what did you do? I struck the rock. Well, you gave them the impression I was mad. I wasn't mad. You were mad. I'll tell you what. You're not going to enter the promised land. Wow. Moses. The word spiritual is repeated three times, indicating the supernatural source. Was God doing all this? Miraculously. Now, the identification of the rock is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Paul. He says it's Jesus. This marks the pre-existence of Christ in the Old Testament, sometimes called the angel of the Lord. The title Christ, Christos, means anointed Messiah, implying deity. And the rock, capitalized, indicates God throughout the Old Testament. He is the rock of our salvation. He is the rock throughout the Old Testament. Okay? Now, Jesus said, I'm the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. He's the rock. In Matthew 16, 18. Now the Israelites turned from God the rock to idols. This is the whole passage. The Corinthians were meddling with idol feasts. Having accepted Christ the rock. You see the parallel? Now the events in the wilderness were real. The dangers. Heavy. Are we going to say that which the Corinthians are under is not? Are we going to blame Paul of embellishing? Of giving a hypothetical situation? Oh, God help us. All had literally partaken of the privilege of being set free, being liberated. Five times the word all appears, indicating all were delivered. 
all were responsible for exercising their freedom. All were endowed with privilege of freedom, but discarded it. And the ones that discarded is going to be said. Did you catch the word some, 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 some as I read the passage? Not all, some. Look at five. The Apostle Paul wanted the Corinthians to know that even though all were endowed with privilege, yet they became presumptuous in their liberty and entangled themselves again in sin. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. Paul states the carnal state of Israel. The word but, sharp contrasting conjunction against the high privilege and the low spiritual living. Can't miss it. They misused and abused liberty. Paul stated, notice, the discontentment of God with Israel. He declared, with most of them, God was not well pleased. This again is a litotis, something expressed by negation of the contrary. God was not well pleased, altogether displeased is what he says. Altogether displeased. He knew that only two entered the land when Paul is saying this. So did the Corinthians. From the age of 20 upward, only Joshua and Caleb entered the promised land. Do you realize that? That's a lot of people we're going to see. Aaron did not make it due to his rebellion at Meribah, which means strife and contention in, in Numbers twenty twenty four. Moses did not make it because of his misrepresentation of God also there in Meribah. Strife and contention. Notice Paul stated the consequences of God's displeasure with Israel. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. The majority of them never made it into the promised land. Their bodies were strewn, literally, is what it says there. Just strewn over the ground. A very vivid and horrible picture. Maybe you've seen some pictures of World War II when masses of, of bodies were, were piled up. Or when Hussein, mustard gas, all those Kurds. This is to grip you. This is to grip the Corinthians. Not just the information, but connect the dots. This is the only time this word appears in this form. Literally, it says, scattered along the wilderness. Numbers 14, 30 to 32. Now, notice the number was not a few. Five times repeated, all, stands in sharp contrast to the tragic phrase, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. All who came out of Egypt were two to two and a half million, possibly three million. Two and a half is conservative. Out of two and a half million, only two entered the land above 20 years of age. All. That's a lot of people. Now, the two historical eras, the Greek scholars tell us, state the fact that they were struck down and God was the agent of their death. So this is no accident. Here's the two phrases. God was not well pleased and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. God is the destroyer here. His people. Some suffered violent deaths while others natural deaths. Some were lost forever, others not. They just suffered the consequence of correction. But don't say that they were just disciplined, all of them. That's wrong. That's not what the text is telling us. High atop the United States Capitol Dome in Washington stands the statue of the stately freedom lady. 
almost 20 feet high. Her face is framed in the crest of stars, the shield of stars and stripes in her left hand. The sculptured freedom lady was brought from Rome during a fierce storm. And the captain ordered some cargo thrown overboard. The sailors wanted to include the heavy statue, but the captain refused, shouting above the wind, No! Never! We will flounder before we throw freedom away. Look at our nation of people who are throwing their freedom away. Our history has all been the fight for freedom. Now we're abdicating our freedom. A person can be born again into the family of God, yet be ignorant about many biblical truths. Sometimes due to being a newborn believer, which is legitimate. Other times because they're lazy, they don't study the word of God, which is illegitimate. At other times, resting on knowledge without wisdom, just facts, information. So some Christians just run to this church, that church, under this pastor. They look up the internet, they just have the studies, you know, but... They don't connect the dots. They just have the dots. Understand? Other times due to their carnality. Second Timothy 2.15 says, um, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A workman does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Cutting the trail. is a point, man. A person should never rest on past experiences to declare his or her present state with God. Don't rest on the past rituals of an altar call if there is no transforming work in your life going on right now. Don't rest in the past baptism of water if your life is not after the order of Christ now. Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Willful retardation spiritually. A person cannot rest on how he or she pleased God in the past, if in fact they are being rebellious now in the present. Don't rest in what God did in you and through you years ago, if he's not working now, today. Don't rest in the fact that you go to church if you're not living for God. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, um, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. This is the revelation regarding Israel's liberty. Not mere information, but the ability to connect the dots. Notice, secondly, he moves on, verse 6 to 13. The exhortation regarding Israel's presumptuousness in their liberty. In verse 6, the Apostle Paul declared, These events of history were lessons for believers delivered from the bondage of the world and sin. Mark it well here. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also did. Paul stated these events were their guide to right living. The word example, to because, refers to a blow that leaves a mark or impression 
a figure or a type, like taking a mallet and a, and a, 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 a some kind of a chisel or something that has a mark, and you stamp it, and it marks it on letter, leather or wood. Literally, that the knowledge and understanding might leave an impression on their minds and hearts as to how God deals with sin and the consequences. This is the context. Here's the parallel. The word is found 16 times in the New Testament. He will use it again in verse 11. It is used of the marks on Jesus' wrists from the crucifixion in John 20, 35. Notice Paul stated the purpose to the intent that we might not lust after evil things as they did. Numbers 11, 4, 6, and 10 is the passage. And he includes himself along with the Corinthians that we should not lust after evil things as also they did. Here's the parallel. It was a real sin, real consequences back there. It has to be the same here. Okay? It's not fictitious. It's not hypothetical. The things God saved them from to not incur the wrath of God. Notice he makes a parallel regarding the Corinthians' strong desire of the flesh to Israel, life, not only in Egypt, but coming out of Egypt. Now delivered. Their attitudes and desires for the things of the world, Egypt, that's the point. The leeks, the onions, the melons. Mmm, stinking manna. Wow. The Corinthians were the anti-type. Israel, the type. They're the fulfillment at this point. The Corinthians had been delivered from sin in the world. Yet some were in the midst of idolatry still. Look at 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul declared the warning of history should be heeded. Paul stated the warning was against idolatry. Verse 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. He literally is saying, stop becoming idolaters imperative present. Now listen to me. When you as a parent tell your child, stop doing that. It's not because he's going to do it. It's not because he wants to do it. It's because he's doing it. All right? Simple. Paul indicated the number to be some. Certain ones. Not all. Certain ones. But we're going to see that some was a great number. 24,000. That sum is a lot. Paul will tell them that some Corinthians, like the Israelis, had already been struck by God with sickness and death for partaking of the Lord's table wrong. In the next chapter, 11 verse 30. So what he's warning about here, God has already struck some. So this is not hypothetical. Okay? Chapter 11, verse 30. John exhorts us to keep ourselves from idols. 1 John 5, 21. Now an idol can be a statue, and this is where this was at, but behind is other things. But it can be anything that you're living for. Your wife, your children, your car, your bank account. You, that's the worst idol. Okay? Now notice he pointed to the passage of the idolatrous calf worship. This is from the Septuagint, the Greek translation, Exodus 32, 6. Aaron fashioned the calf with a, with a tool in his hand, remember? And Moses said, hey, how did that get there? He said, well, I don't know. I just got in the fire and it came out of the fire. Liar. And he was a high priest. Wow. 
The eating and drinking was to the worship of the calf, exercising their liberty in the idol feast. By the way, dedicated to Yahweh. <laughs> Pastor Xavier Reese closes today with an Old Testament warning for the embedded dangers in flirting with idols. And there's much more to come next time. But if you've missed any part of this important study or wish to pass it along to a friend, you can request a copy. And it's simply titled, How Do You Exercise Your Liberty? It's available on CD for just $4. Once again, the title you want to ask for is, How Do You Exercise Your Liberty? Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you contact us. How much freedom do we have in Christ? Pastor Xavier Reese has the answer ready to share on the next edition of Simple Truths. Hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 